0: Hopefully you hear me. Um, so before we dive in, a couple of, I want to do a couple things. Uh, number one, if you see this behind me, this QR code. Uh, if you're watching at home, uh, it's not there, so uh, congratulations. But uh, I mean, maybe you can scan it at home too. I don't know. Uh, but if you if you can scan this, this is a link to our app. You maybe go on Mike where the paper notes at. The paper notes are in the app under notes. And so uh, we ask you to download the new app. We are trying to save trees. We're trying to be a little conservative. We're trying to save money. And so I want you to, uh, to follow along there. Uh, and it's beneficial. You can do lots of things on the app. You can, uh, you can give. You can do the, you can watch last, well, you can't watch last week's sermon. We had some issues getting it uploaded. But you can watch all the previous other weeks for like the last six months or so. Um, you can register for events. You can register for the women's trip that's upcoming. All of those things are all available on the app. It's basically an extension of our website. And so we want you to be able to utilize that. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, what I would like us to do is uh, I would like us to... So I played that video about the harvest for a reason. We need to have a shift in thought as a church. As As a group of believers, we need to have a shift in thought. And we need to start having our heart broken... For those that are lost and away from Jesus. You know, the, the thing is, is uh, I, you know, I've I really, really started to have this mental change. And when I like when I go to the store, when I go and I come into contact with people, as I'm having conversations with them, and when I leave and I go, I didn't have this, I had an opportunity to share Jesus and I didn't. You know, what happens if that person then ends up going to hell because I failed. To be able to just go, do you know who Jesus is? And uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a weird thing. You don't have to be in front of the cashier at Walmart and be like, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Just just, uh, just wanted to check with you, because if you do, then uh, we're all good. If not, I'm going to really hold up this line. You know, you don't have to do that. You know, but but we need to get to this point where we are comfortable sharing because if you read Scripture, Scripture is really clear here. It says that the road... To, to hell is wide it's broad it's there's and there's lots of people on it and then the path it's not it, it says the path to the gate that is narrow like we're, we're not even talking like there, there's probably some folks in here that may be on the wrong road because we haven't taken the hard route to get onto the path that leads to the gate that enters into heaven and, and see That's where we have to start having this fundamental change in this heart that is broken for those that are far from jesus We have to because we you know, we've gotten so caught up in the 21st century That we have forgotten That god is number one, right? People don't put god number one anymore god falls behind money. God falls behind our jobs. God falls behind. The, and we've forgotten to put them number one. And, and it's not just, you know, you generally we use that line in finances, but it's really not in finances. It's in every aspect of our life. It's in, it's in our interactions with other people. It's in our interactions with our spouse. It's in our interactions with everything that we're doing, even our employers. Look at how, how, many, how many of you guys, some of you will remember this, some of you will not remember this some of you grew up in an area where it happened I went to uh, and I I, I, I'm warning you I'm on a whole tangent here for a second and then I'll be I'll get right back into the message Uh, so um, about 25 years ago I lived in New Jersey and while I was in New Jersey we lived in a county that was what we call a blue county Anybody know what a blue county is everything is closed on Sundays everything was closed there wasn't a gas station open there wasn't any open there wasn't a mall there was nothing open on sundays Now, kind of and so now everything is open but on sundays you know what you saw there you saw parking lots of churches that were full because they weren't living in the in the they they, they literally got to this point where they they had they they were able to focus on it they weren't trying to keep up with the the, they weren't on the wheel of the rat race, trying to keep up going absolutely nowhere. And, and so they would go to church, and they would go home and watch football, and then they would go and watch the second football game, and then they would go back to church often. And so just kind of, I just want to have this shift, because our county, our country has gone to where we're just going to start filling in the Sundays with things that prevent us from worshiping God. And so we, as a group of people, have to get ready to go do the work of the harvest, we have to we have to get ready to go out and do the work because nobody else is going to do the work There's it says the workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful There's research that just came out this week from the barna group and from uh, Another organization. You'll never know who they are And uh, but it came out and said that churches are starting to grow again a 33 percent climb in church growth So that's a great thing But we got to be doing the work in order to go reach them So I just want you to have a fundamental thought change of going, I have a responsibility to go reach people for Jesus. You have a responsibility for that. He said, Jesus, when he was here, I said, I'm going to give you three commandments. He said, I'm going to give you two, but then I'm going to give you a commission. I'm going to give you a job. Love uh, love God, right? Number one, love God. Number two, love others. Number three, go make disciples. Go make disciples. And so here's here's maybe a profound thought before we dive in. If you have never made a disciple, then you probably are not a disciple Disciples make disciples So kind of a kind of a Anyway Kind of a mind blown anyway, let's dive in so we are in this series called anthem of hope and anthem of hope is a mental health series so I know that it's one of those things that you come into church and you're like Yay, let's talk about Jesus. No, 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 let's not talk about mental health issues. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are starting to think, it's starting to address things that are relevant to you and to those around us. And mental health issues are important. I want to let you know in the upcoming weeks, the next things that are coming up, we're going to talk about worry. We're going to talk about chronic negativity. Anybody, anybody know any of those people that are just chronically negative all the time? Like they just, you talk to them and they're like, This sucks, everything sucks, you suck, they suck, my kids suck, everything sucks. And you're like, wait a minute here, man, it's not that bad. It really isn't. Uh, And then we're also going to talk about some trauma, and then we're going to talk about my personal favorite is burnout. And uh, because I think all of us have experienced some of this. So I've had people that have been in my life and some friends, and uh, some of them have been the nicest, most enduring, most uplifting people. And They're generous. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their heart and I know this person. (laughs) I'm really really being careful because most of you people know this person and so I do not want to share who it is But she is one of the most encouraging people that you know like when you talk to her she's always encouraging And uh, you never you never really get to meet anybody. Hey, you're in the front. Calm down, please And I'm just I you guys you're, you're, go do that outside for a little while. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, I had, Can't do it anymore So you would never know this person you would know her as being kind you would know her as being affectionate You would know her and you may even have a conversation with her and you were like we're friends You, you would have that you think that yourself as being friends and see you would have no idea That she has to make a conscious choice to get out of bed. She has to go. I, I'm ready to get up today and, she had, and it gave all of her energy to do that that day, and, and on the outside, you'll talk to her, and she 's smiling, and on the inside, her feelings are dark of sadness and hopelessness, and she battles thoughts of death, and the, the thoughts continue to be ongoing, they 're conic and they 're crippling, you, you know and so and, and it's just one of these times where she 's just depressed and if you're somebody who hasn't expre- experienced chronic depression, we often get very dismissive about it. You know, if you've never experienced it, you often get, cr- you're just like, just cheer up. You just suck it up, buddy. You know, and move on. And, and see, it's one of those things that we tend to do. And, and see, when you have somebody that's living in, in this constant darkness, it's not just sadness. It's not just discouragement. It's no feeling, no motivation no hope you, you know and see it's sad that church is not the safest place to talk about depression you, you you know it's got this stigma that's got attached to it and we we feel ashamed and we feel guilty you, you have people that'll tell you suck it up get over it move on you, you can't keep focusing on the negative put your faith in jesus you'll he'll get you through all of this but the thing if you have a sore throat what do you do you go to the doctor there's just no ifs, ands, or buts. If you break a bone, nobody ever tells you, hey, suck it up. You know, get, you're going to get through this. You know, just put it in place and just start moving on. Nobody ever does that. You go see a surgeon sometimes. If you're battling depression, we keep smiling and keep it to yourself, is what we tell people. You know, oh, just just suck it up, go get some Prozac and move on. You know, and that's what we tell people. And, and, and if you're the one of the many that are fighting depression, it, it, it's one of you have to understand you're not alone It's one of the biggest mental health problems of today It is it's one of the biggest mental health problems of today And so maybe you can identify with this next this next verse and then also maybe it'll get you a little mad Because you'll see this and, and so all the way back in Proverbs twelve twenty five, And so i'm reading this out of a new king james version. It says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression and here's where the problem goes. Okay, hey, the anxiety causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Isn't that too simple? I, I mean, it almost breaks it down. A good word brings hope. A good word brings healing. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and so that those are both true statements, but it doesn't necessarily fix everything that's going on. And so today we're going to talk about what to remember When you know when you're battling depression what to remember and see depression is a very complex issue It doesn't discriminate with people and it's not a one-size-fits-all and so there's four root causes of depression number one biological So some of us Literally have a chemical imbalance You know, you've gotten into chronic pain. You have a nutrition nutritional deficit deficiency uh, you have hormonal changes, there's lack of sleep, there's lack of exercise, and even lack of sunlight causes that, right? It's all these, it's all these things that kind of change all of these things. Then, then the next level of, of, of it would be relational. So if anybody's ever experienced this, maybe you've been betrayed, maybe you've been rejected, maybe you've gone through a divorce, maybe you just went through a pandemic and you're like, I'm all alone, maybe it's just an isolation but it's relational. And then we have circumstantial depression, right? You know, you go through a death or a loss of somebody, maybe you've experienced a trauma, maybe you're going through bankruptcy, maybe you're getting ready to retire or you did retire and you're just looking back and going, "I have nothing to do." You know, maybe the kids are leaving home, maybe the kids are moving across the country, and you're just depressed. And you don't want to go to a party and you don't want to experience a party. You're just like, "Oh, I just I'm just struggling along." And then the last one is spiritual. And so some of us, and I think that we get tired of fighting the everyday battle, because we are. Every day, you're in a spiritual battle. There's other things that are taking up your time. There's other stuff that's going on. And so you are in a spiritual battle day after day after day after day. And see, here's the thing. You get tired of that. You get tired of trying to fight that battle and so things start to kind of come down around you and you start going Well, I'm not gonna keep fighting on this front. I'm not gonna keep fighting on this front I'm just gonna focus here and as those things come collapsing on you You end up becoming more and more and more depressed now <clears throat> We have some clarifying statements here. You should understand something. I am NOT a doctor Okay, we, we clear there. I'm not a doctor I'm not. Uh, even though my wife thinks I'm a uh, doctor, she comes to me all the time. I have this going on, this going on. Can you tell me what it is? No, I have no idea. I said, well, we, we can go on Google and find out what it is. <laughs> and we'll find. You know, when anybody ever gone on Google to find out what it is? It's like almost the, always the worst case scenario. I have the sniffles and athlete's foot. Well, this may cause death. You know, it's like, wait a minute here, what happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where did this go? <laughs> And the other thing is, so I'm not a doctor, and number two, I am not a licensed counselor or psychologist or anything. I am a pastor, okay? So, if you are dealing with one of the first three of these issues, that's not my job, okay? I can't handle that. I can't help you. I can't do that. But I can help address the spiritual issues, right? I can help address the spiritual issues. And so, I want to I want to show you the scripture of a deeply depressed man So now we're gonna finally dive into this you probably go oh, Mike what is taking so long to get the to scripture? So we're gonna dive into this and he's fighting to hold on to hope for God He's struggling and, and he's trying to find this and so in lamentations three it's in the old testament There's a prophet jeremiah who's battling Inner darkness and depression, right? He's just battling through this and and see this is he's in solomon's temple and this is before it's just, you know, it's destroyed by the Babylonians in 580 C in 587 BC. And so it's, it's before then. And so Jeremiah witnesses murders and his loved ones are killed and his family has been deported and he is suffering. I mean, just imagine this, just, just kind of think about this. If you all of your loved ones are now gone from you, either they've been murdered or, or they've just been deported all of the sudden, We start to have a fundamental shift in how our feelings are And it's hard to go god I want to praise you through all of this god. Thank you so much for getting rid of them. They were terrible people No, it's hard to do that It's hard to praise at that point. And so here let's look in the scripture. Here's what he says He says I am the man who has seen the affliction by the rod of the lord's wrath This is what he thinks is where he's at, right at the beginning of this. He goes, he goes why are you doing this to me, God? I am, I'm the one who's facing your rod. You're, you've come at me, and you know, when you ever, anybody, ever, anybody ever read in Psalms where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear, I shall not want, and he guides me by still waters, right? His rod and staff. Well, what do you think that's about? You ever seen anybody, you ever seen a shepherd with a sheep? Takes that rod get back in line And so this is where jeremiah is he's like hey your rod I'm, i'm trying to get in line I'm trying to get to where it is i'm trying to get where you want me at And so I feel the wrath of your rod you cannot you continue to guide me Back to the path that i'm supposed to be on and he says he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light oh You you see how and then we're gonna jump ahead. So that's verses one and two jump to first verse five And it says he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead And he has walled me in so I cannot escape he has weighed me down with chains Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. So let's stop there at verse eight so as you hear this just think about this. How many of us have gotten to this position where we feel that we're dark, that we feel that we've been, ch- that we've been chained down, that we feel that we're, we're not moving, we're, and we're just like, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I here? Why, why am I struggling like this? God, why is it that you've continued that? I've prayed, and I've asked for your guidance, and I've asked for new direction, but yet I am still here, weighed down by this depression. I I know that some of us have experienced this, and I know that some of us are going, we've cried out and cried out and cried out, and yet there's been no answer. Verse 17, I have been deprived of peace, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped from the Lord, and I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me How did he get here Mind you, this is a prophet in the Old Testament He loved God And yet as you read this you can tell that he is totally broken lost and hopeless You can see this you can read this You know and, and not only is he facing this battle, you know when you start looking at it, you can break it down It's a it's a circumstantial battle his home has been destroyed his family killed they've been deported But even deeper than that there's a major spiritual issue as you as you can see that he feels like God let him down And I think that a lot of us when we get into these points of lowness and and we feel casted out We feel like god has let us down And then we get to this mindset of going what did you do God to put me here? Or you have other people around you that are going well, what did you do that you are facing the wrath of God like this? I've had people that they've come to me and they go I went I went and met with this person and they said that I had this going on and that's why God had separated himself from me I go that's that's not what scripture says but often when it's spiritual like this, you feel that there's no hope. So what do we need to remember when we're battling depression? There's two things. Number one, your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. You need to know that. Your Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. And number two, your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. When you hurt, you need to know that your emotions are valid. You know and and see they're important, but what you need to start getting to is you need to get to this point and you need to name them. I Feel angry. I feel anxious. I feel pissed. I feel betrayed. I feel empty. I feel numb I feel whatever it is. You have to name it. You can no longer just keep going. "Ah, I feel like blah Well, what is it? Identify it say what it is anybody in here afraid of spiders anybody so there was a study done and not with house spiders, right? You know, uh, uh, Melissa and I were at a conference down in San Diego. Oh, no, I think we actually we just went down there on vacation. And, we're at a, and so we go to the San Diego Zoo. And if you've ever been to the San Diego Zoo, they have, they have two things that are there. They have a reptile enclosure. I think they have one of the largest reptile enclosures in California. But they also have a massive spider enclosure. And so when you walk into those two things with Melissa, she walks in the middle of the room away from the glass cases. Like she won't even go look at the glass cases. She's like, no, I'm not going over there. I'm like, hey, you got to check this one out. This one's like all red, and he's got little black spots on him. He's cool looking. She's like, I don't care what he looks like. She's like, if I get close to that cage, he will jump through the window, and he will get on my face and just suck the life out of me. That's what she thinks. We go even if we go to the Six Flags, they have a they have they used to have a a snake enclosure in the back, and. That now I think they moved it up to the sidewinder thing. But you go back there, and you go into it, and she was like, I'm not going over there. I'm like, it's in a cage. She was like, and that's where it'll stay, without me gazing upon it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, it's just a snake. And she's like, uh-uh, not doing it. We have a bearded dragon at our house. And when it comes out of the cage, she runs out of the room. She's like, I'm out of here. You know, and it's like, I, so this study is, it will, res- <laughs> will, will relate to her 100%. And So what happens is they have these spiders and they get and they get these they show the Pence the of the study they show them a live tarantula in a cage And so it, and it's not it's like a box, right? And they divide the four up into these different things And so number one they they told them people would label what they were feeling they would say that's a scary Hairy monster is what they would say, right? That's what it is and number two So here's kind of how they got through it. Number one, they would label it. Number two, they would make an observation, right? It's in a cage. It can't hurt me. It's just, you know, and then the third thing is they would say something 100% irrelevant. They would go, they would, they would have this mindset as these four different groups would come in, they would identify it. They would, they, they would make some observations about it. And then they would make, and they would say something completely off the topic. They would go, let's go get a Coke, right? You know, it's completely irrelevant to what you were going on. And then, at all, right? That's, that's just what happened. And so they were weak. They had these psychological responses of sweat. They, they felt like they needed, their heart rate would increase. And see, as they were going through this, the named emotions that they, those ones that, that named the emotions that they were feeling did exp- exponentially better. And those that were holding on to the, to the cage, those ones are the ones that were further and further along and so one of the biggest thing that they really get from this is that I don't know if you know this but you travel in the direction of your thoughts right you just travel in the doc, in the direction of your thoughts so if you think that life sucks and that's one of your strongest thoughts life sucks I don't care if you have all the money in the bank, I don't care. If you have everything going on, like everything is just positive, money just keeps falling out of, like you're following along an armored truck and it just keeps bouncing out of the back and landing in your car. You don't even have to get out of the car, it like just lands on the hood. You're like, what's, and then everything is perfect, your relationships are perfect, all those things. But if you still think that life sucks, life sucks. If you think that life is great, even if life isn't great. You know, it, it, it's such an amazing story as I've been into third world countries and you talk to people in third world countries They you tell them you, you'll start having conversations with them about the things that we see as being terrible right? You go to these places and you go there's children sleeping in the street. There's people out there that are starving They have no walls on the houses they're living in right there, there's there's twigs that are holding up portions of the house And then as you have these conversations with them, they are happy. They are joyous. They're and you, sit, you come in there, you talk to them, and you go, hey, we should fix this. And they go, fix what? Fix what? What, what are we going to fix? I go, we should put some walls up. And they go, what are you talking about? This is perfect. It allows the breeze to come through, makes it to where we don't, get over, we don't get too hot. And then when it's hot, we put a fan up against it, it blows it out. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't look at it that way. See, our perspective and our thoughts are what actually will drive how we feel. If you feel... That you are depressed you'll be more depressed if you feel that you are excited you will be more excited your brain is very very It it is so strong that it'll immediately whether you're you're doing something going up the stairs Even the thought of going upstairs at your house will will increase your heart rate Because your body is preparing for you to climb them stairs So it's like we got to get some more oxygen to you your body also Will change your heart rate based upon situ- stressful situations, and, and us even talking about stressful situations. Like when I started talking about spiders, Melissa's heart rate probably went up. Statistically, it's almost like a 90% thing that she felt a change uh, in her, in, in, what, in her feelings based upon the fact one that I called her name out in service, two that I would started talking about spiders, right? And she's like, "What is he going to say?" And so there's paranoia that happens there. And then the next level of paranoia is, did he bring a spider here? And I did. Hold on. Let me go. No, no, no. (laughs) It's how it works, right? It's just how things go. So what we want to do is we want to address some of those responses. So naming your emotions opens the door to changing your emotions. God gave us emotions. Emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. And Because our emotions are temporary. We're not going to make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions So if you're battling depression, you don't go. Well, I feel like quitting my marriage. I feel like quitting god I want to run away I want to shut out the world and I want to have these dark moments that just keep getting darker and darker and I consider taking my life Right. That's because these are all things that are permanent decisions often And so what you don't want to do is when you're in one of these stages don't make a permanent decision based on temporary emotions your emotions are valid name them feel them Do not be ruled by them. Don't be ruled by them. So you're, number one your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent number two If your situation feels hopeless But with god, there's always hope It's just how it goes your situation feels hopeless But with god, there's always hope so jeremiah is depressed and he turns to god. So here we are in verse 21 and he said, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. So this is Lamentation 3. So I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Well, what are we focusing on? I want to I focus on the one here. I want to focus on this word that you see here, and it says great love. And it's a actual, it's a plural form in Hebrew. So when you read this, it's called HESED, H-E-S-E-D. And see, it's difficult to translate. In fact, there's 248 times that it's used in the Bible, and it's packed with meaning, and there's no English word that's close. And so you see different things as it's, as it's translated throughout the Bible. So you'll see, number one, as translators attempt to define it, they'll go, it's loving kindness. Oh, no, 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 it's mercy. Oh, no, it's loyalty how this word hest continues to be translated even today as you open up your scripture today it's translated this way and it's impossible to describe this the, apart from god's character it's a, it's a, it's this love that's that's impossible to describe it, it is loving kindness it is mercy it is loyalty it is all of those things but it's hard to just use one word could you imagine every time it says love in the bible they're like loving kindness mercy and you know just every time that you read it but that's kind of how it is it's it's an, an imbra, it's an unbreakable devotion to God's promises, is what it is. And it's, and it's one of these commitments to God's character. It's what this Hest is. And so when you see this great love that he's referring to, it's an unbreakable devotion, and it's, and, and it's really one of these, these, these commitments to God's character. And it says, because of great love, we're not consumed, and his compassions never fail. Compassions is also translated from the word that it's raha the nama. And so as you read that And when you start to see this That's the same root word. That means a, mother, a mother's womb So that's a mother's womb from there. And so what does anybody ever think about the word womb? What is that? If it, 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 it's a safe place, it's a sanctuary where life begins Right as you start to hear this and so it's also a place of you know When you think about a mother's womb, it's a place of life and a place of life you're nourished You're strengthened. You're protected. You know, what do you do when you want to break out of the darkness? You have to acknowledge it. You have to say, I need help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of wisdom. You know, that's really what it is. When you need to do this, it's a sign of wisdom when you start recognizing it. You know, you may need to go see a counselor. I talked about this in week one of this series. You may need medicine. You may need to change your diet. You may need to exercise. You may need Start journaling you may need to start attending a life group you may start to pray you need to praise you need to be you need to pause to these things you need to calm your mind and you need to start changing your posture that's what it starts coming down to so when you start looking at this you, you can't prove that Jeremiah is not down or he is down at this point when you get to verse 21 it seems like though a lot has translate has transpired from verse 1 all the way down to verse 21 when we start to read it it seems like things have changed dramatically And See, but his posture he says my soul is downcast, but his posture starts to reflect his mood and posture can impact your mood And so he he, it says here in verse 24 he puts his arms up and surrender and victory at the same time Verse 24. He says I say to myself The Lord is my portion and therefore I will wait for him The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord so Here's what he's saying if we go back to the beginning of this. He says I say to myself He's preaching to himself. He's encouraging himself. He's going hey, this is what we need to do And so sometimes you have to tell yourself that I'm gonna move forward in this direction I'm gonna do something, you know, just think about this change of pace So look at it says you O Lord you shield about me my glory you lifter of my head God is my refuge my strength and my ever-present help in time of trouble And here's the next line of this. He says, for I am convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, the present, nor future, nor any powers, nor my depression, my darkness days, nothing in all of creation is able to separate me from the Lord of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you look at this, what are you telling yourself? What are you saying? What are you asking? You know, there's been many times where I told you at the beginning of this, there was somebody that We knew we know we, we and, and there's been many times where I was afraid I would never see her again And you know and and, and we tell her often don't give up go to counseling go get prescriptions go, go You know go go be in prayer Change your diet exercise make sure you're in a group make sure you surround people look for a daily renewing These are all things that we say these are all things that we translate and, 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 and while depression is not God gone with, with her, you can see that there's actually a change. You can see a fundamental change in her. And see, let's go back to this. And so through all of this, there was never a time where anybody shared with her that her feelings were not valid. They, they just weren't permanent. Everybody said that you'll get through this, you'll get over this. And, and, and every day, it'll be a little less sadness, a little less air, just a change. And see, maybe your situation feels hopeless right now. Whatever it is, see, I look out in this room and I know most of your stories, right? And I know that some of you guys that are watching, I know most of your stories as well. I mean, unless you're, you know, the first time watching this, but, but I know a lot of your stories. And as I, I, I listen and I, and I start to see and I start to hear and I, and I know that a lot of us are fa- are facing these battles that are different things, whether they're health battles, whether they're financial battles, whether, whether ever it is relationship. Whatever it is, there's so many different things that you're fighting, and it's just this level of depression that sits in this place. It's just like this constant, and some of you are on the extreme end where you're like, it's clinically depressed, and then some of you are on the last end where you're like, huh, I feel, I could be a little happier, but everybody's there. They're, and they're not, nobody's walking here with the biggest smile, like, woo, everything is good. It's not happening. It's just not. You know, and, and I see when people are coming in here, you're in the parking lot fighting before you walk in the door. You're like, ah, oh, gosh, we really got to do this? Yes, you really got to do this. Yeah, we're here. Let's go. And then, you know, I see the drag marks, the heel marks from you being dragged into the room. You know, it's like, what, what happened here? And see, see, that's that depression. That's that low level depression that each, they were like, what? I don't even want to be around people. I don't even like people. Anybody ever heard that statement? So here's the thing. I want you to understand something when when God created Adam. He looked at me. He said it's not good for him to be alone It's not good. He was a dude number one That's Definitely not good and number two. He knew he would get into mischief and he'd probably get depressed. That's what he do And so for you if you oh, I don't like people and I just want to be alone You need to understand something you are gonna be depressed and you're gonna get yourself into trouble That's just what's gonna happen? You were designed to be in relationship. You were designed to be in relationship with other people. You were designed to be in relationship with God. And if you go back and there's a book out there by a psychologist, his name is Robin Dunbar. He's actually out of England. And he wrote this book. And this book comes out and it says that each one of us were designed to be in relationships of about 10 people. 10 people is about the maximum that you can actually care enough about to actually love them. 10 people. And it says, we were really designed to be in villages and you know when we, when if you look back at a lot of different communities you look at you, it's only recently in the last 400 years that we've seen cities develop the way they have and we were designed to be in relationships of about 150 people you can you can know 150 people and kind of have a glimpse of what's happening you can have about 50 people that you care and love about but you can have 10 that you are truly friends with and I'm gonna ask this question, and I bet that most of you are gonna to get to a stop at about three. How many of you have three close fr- How many of you have one close friend? Just one. One close friend. Take your hand down if it's your spouse. Okay, take your hand down if it's your spouse. If it's your spouse, does not qualify. Right? Okay, number two, how many of you have two good friends? Keep, just keep them up. How many of you have three, if you're at home watching, keep your hand up too. And so you have three good friends, right? You have three friends that you know everything about them, that you love them, that if they call you at 2.30 in the morning, that you're going to be there. Three friends, right? How many of you have four good friends? How many of you have five? Oh, we got one hand. How many of you have six good friends? Seven? Yeah, but one is yeah, like, a, your <laughs> <time>. <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eight. So here's the thing, is that most of you in here, we don't have any friends, right? You don't have any friends. And, and, and you start going, why am I depressed? Why am I depressed? Because I've buried my face in this, right? This is where I've been at. I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend all my time here. I've turned off everybody. Maybe I've gotten to the point where I read nothing but books and don't interfere and don't talk to anybody. Maybe I've gotten to the point where I've just immersed myself in Netflix. Maybe you're like Jermaine who's immersed herself in Netflix, gotten past that, went into Korean TV and Japanese TV and just blowing through all of it. You know, like she's just like coming back and she goes, "Hey, by the way, I can now speak Korean and Chinese and Japanese." And you're like, "Wow, what is going on here?" And and, and, and so you start to get this mindset of going Do you not know people she's like no, I just do this a lot. Well, yeah Well, where do you get that from and and it's not just to make fun of her and I'm, i'm just using her as an example That's what we've done is that we've shut off the world and we've started to retreat into ourselves And we go why are we facing such massive depression? Because we've stopped actually living and interacting the way that robin dunbar tells us and the way that jesus designed us and god Designed us that we're supposed to interact with people. Jesus had three best friends and, I, and then he had 12 that he hung out with on a regular basis. And one of those dudes was kind of shaky, right? You know, that's just how it was. <laughs> that one person was like, oh, it's a little difficult. And so maybe maybe I can get out of this with a little bit of money, right? And so that's kind of how it was. But when you start to see this often, when he would get around 3,000 people and 5,000 people, he would have this line. He was like, no, go back to your villages and don't tell anybody about me. That's what he would say. It would say this, <laughs> and scripture, don't, don't tell them that I just made... 5,000 of you eat off of the three fish Right he wouldn't he would he would say don't 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 share that why because they would just be there for the for the what they could get out of it They would just be there for what you could get out of you So when you start doing things they would just be there for what they get out of you And so what you have to do is how do I have true relationships? I don't want to be like I get on Facebook and some people I I know some people that have like 3,000 friends on Facebook and so if you happen to be one of those people that's in this room and you have 3,000 friends on Facebook, you put your hand down before five, right? Right? I just want you to know that. just want you to know. You're like, I got 5,000 friends. That Now they don't even. Now it's not even a friend. They don't even get to make a friend request. Now they just fan me, right? Because that's where it gets to. After you get to 3,000, they become fans of your page. They're no, they're no longer friends of your page. And see, the thing that you have to think about here is that most of us Room the same statistics hold true throughout the world most people have 2.2 friends 2.2 friends. That's an average of the world. So 2.2 friends means that some have none and some have five Right, that's how we get to 2.2 or 2.5. That means that more people have no friends than people that have five friends And the one person that throws off the whole statistical anomaly They probably said I got 20 friends and all of a sudden it threw off the numbers, but in reality most of us have less than two friends, and we go, why is it that I don't have, why is it that I feel so alone? Why is it that I feel so depressed? Why is it that I feel that nobody loves me? Because you've shut yourself off from love. You, you, you've tried to seek love through, a, through, a, through an iPhone, or through an Android device, or through, through whatever it is that you've gotten to. You're trying to seek love through a computer, you're trying to seek love through things you're trying to seek love through the car you drive or through the house you live in or the gardening habit that you have or the or the landscaping habit that you've got going on or the painting or whatever it is you're trying to find affirmation and love in those things and we don't find it there we find it in people we find love and encouragement and the, the rise out of depression in others and we need people around us to go i love if you've ever watched saturday Night live for years and years because it's not really funny now so you have to watch it back 10-15 years ago there was a there was a character his name was Stuart Smiley And he had a mirror mirror set up right next to him and he would stare at the mirror and he'd go And he would talk to the mirror and he'd say Stuart Gosh darn it people like you People are good enough. You're good enough. You are this you are that and gosh gone it, people like you Like he had to tell himself that he had to go. I have to go out and make relationships. I have to do this I have to do these things And see, for us, our answer has always been, nope, I have to retreat more and more and more away from people. And that is not what Scripture tells us on how to get out of the situations that we are in. Scripture is very clear. It says, get around other people. Confess your sins to other people and you will be healed. You know, we need to be talking with people. God gives forgiveness, people give healing. That's what it tells us in Scripture. So when you go, I'm going to be all alone, I'm going to shut the world off, And you can be like me. So I'm an angry person, and people just like, I'm not dealing with Mike. Right? And I'm really not that angry. I just come off as angry. I come off as missional mindset is what I say. Right? People go, no, 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 you come off as a jerk. That's what they tell me. And I go, no, 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 but I'm not. I'm such a happy and go lucky person. They're like... "Mm."
1: I know, I know,
0: I know. You see, see, it's perfect, right? It's perfect. See? So here's the thing. So knowing that, I'm I'm the one that is physically pushing people away, not because of, not because I'm physically pushing you away, but because my my attitude, my demeanor, my face, my, how I talk to people, pushes people away. Anybody ever heard of RBF? could be RDF, you know. And so Melissa and I happen to have a case for each, right? <laughs> yes. uh, uh, resting. Resting. Rats. Rats. Yeah. Rats. yeah, yeah, go, go, go find somebody that said, yeah, I know what that is. Go find them, and then they'll tell you. I can't say it up here. But that's what <laughs> but that's what it is. We come off as just looking like we're angry, and all of a sudden people are like, mm, I don't want to deal with you. Even at the grocery store. Well, we, we'll be having a time laughing, and people will see us, and they'll be like, why are you so angry? Like, did you just see us in the other aisle? Like, I have this. My wife hates me. We'll be walking through the grocery store. We'll be we'll pushing the line. I'll be like, don't touch me there. I don't like that. And she would be like. <laughs> she'll go like, well, around the corner. She's, she's like, I hate you so much. And the people be like, what is wrong with you guys? We're having fun. You know, it's like, it's an it's a exciting time. I don't even know you. I do that too. We walk into the store. Why are you following me? I, you know? I don't know you. I don't. I don't want to know. Just keep going. Like uh, it's so. It's just about having fun, right? It's about this excitement that happens, and and but people see it and they go, oh, there's something seriously wrong with them, and they're like, yeah, we're just gonna stay out of your way because then all of a sudden you might say that about me, and you know, and, so. But what I say that is, is that when you come through it, you have to be willing to have some fun with others, wherever the circumstances leads you, whether you're in the grocery store or wherever you're at. Become a become a, a a fun person become somebody that people want to be around You cannot be like me and and go because oh, I I can tell you right now There's times where i'm just like man. I, I just I'm, I'm just in a funk I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like being around people I don't feel like going to that. I don't feel like going to this I just don't feel it And I know I, I can see the heads nodding, right? Yeah, I just in there you have to have this change you have to sit there and go. You know what? People are now. I'm not saying just start picking random people. Like, yeah, hey, you're a good one. We're gonna hang out No, nope. Get you 12, right? Get you 12 find that one that you're like, oh, you're a little iffy, but you can still kick it in the car for a while, you know <laughs> you know, they drove a Honda, right? You know, they were all from one accord and so you got to have that So they all gotta be of one accord, and get in the car together. That's really what it comes down to. You got, it. you got it? I'm sure you got it. I'm good. I'm good. I don't know. I heard that. I was like, I'll steal it one day. And it just came to be perfect now. It's perfect. Anyway. So <laughs> be of one, be of one direction. So don't go hanging out with 12 people that are doing dope. Because guess what? You're gonna be of that one accord doing dope. Don't be of that one accord, you know, you're gonna have to be of uh, people that are positive, have people that are pursuing Jesus, have people that are trying to help you grow be of that one accord, move in that direction. Anyway, let's close in prayer and uh, then we'll move on into communion. So let's close. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much through the laughs, even as we talk through depression and mental health. And thank you so much for the fundamental shifts that some of us are going to make today. We're going to go from having one or two friends and we're going to start building friendships that lead us to have an accord with with 10 people or five people or just we're going to make this Conscious effort to go from being lonely to having friends To having people that are one accord with us that we're moving closer to Jesus that we're moving in a new direction that we're doing Life together instead of all alone feeling lonely feeling sorrow because we need that healing that comes from others Father help us move forward help us Start having change in thoughts have us have a change to where we start seeing ourselves as being happy rather than seeing ourselves as being depressed Help us see ourselves as loved rather than unloved. Help us see ourselves as being a, a fun and exciting person rather than a drag at the party. Help us to change how we see ourselves. That way we can actually implement that and move forward with it. Father, help open hearts. Help us to, to start healing the heart. Your scripture tells us that as we spend more and more time with this, that we will end up with a new heart. And some of us, we need a new heart now. The one that we have is callous. The one that we have, we've hardened it, and we've hardened it to relationships and we've been calloused by the, by the friction of past relationships. And so, Father, give us a new heart to where we can love, to where we can become accepting, to where we can, to where we can venture and go, I, you know, I'm willing to, to allow people in again. I'm willing to have this newness. I'm willing to have new relationships instead of being this person that goes, uh-uh, I've been hurt once before, and that once before is one too many times. Help us be willing to trust again. Help us be willing to to see the best of people, even when they're doing the things that they do. Help us see the good that's in them. Father, thank you. Thank you for today and the series, and thank you for the the whole mindset of anxious thoughts and depressed thoughts and and just a newness that we're going to walk forward with. Father, thank you, and it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.